WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, most leave after graduating from Ohio University, but some opted to stay in Athens. I think that there was a small niche that needed filled here, and you know, you really do have a lot of this kind of stuff in larger cities like Columbus and Cleveland, but I feel like Athens really needed that. And bird e-bikes and e-scooters are taking over Athens, but they bring challenges for some. So then someone like me who uses a wheelchair, someone who uses a mobility device, like a, uh, you know, like a, a wheelchair type of scooter, um, you know, someone who uses a walker, all of a sudden they can't get uh, on the sidewalk, they can't get through. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Ohio University alumni gathered in Athens for homecoming. But some didn't have to travel far. WUB reporter Andre Norrell speaks to alumni who decided to stay after graduating. Hundreds of Ohio University alumni traveled to Athens last week, but some were already here. Do you want to back for this? Yes, please. Okay. Tim Martin, the owner of Ohio is Home, grew up in Athens, but decided to stay long-term after graduating. I think that there was a small niche that needed filled here, and, you know, you really do have a lot of this kind of stuff in larger cities like Columbus and Cleveland, but I feel like Athens really needed that. Martin has a graphic design degree from OU, which has helped him own his business. But the pride of Bobcats helped Martin decide Court Street was the place to set up shop. We are a pretty small university in a small town, uh, but people really love the area. Other OU alumni have decided to own a business in the area, partly because they grew up in Athens, like Martin. But there are some who are drawn here because of OU. That's the case for the owners of Brennan's Coffee Cafe. The adjustment is more going from being a student living in Athens to a resident. Josh Thomas and his wife are the current owners of Brennan's, but they weren't always the owners. Midway through my senior year, they were the, the store was looking for somebody to run the store and be the manager, so I took over. Three years later, Thomas and his wife decided to buy the cafe. It was like I owned it already for the years that I was managing it. Making it an easy decision. Even if it weren't for the coffee shop, Thomas said he believes he and his wife would make their way back to the area after graduating. Again, it's a good community. We like it here. Um, again, just like anything else, it has its ups and downs as well, too. But I could see us probably coming back. Martin and Thomas both were excited to see former classmates as alumni took over the campus again during homecoming. For the outlet, I'm Andre Norris. Sports Director Aiden Crowley and Associate Sports Director Maria Manessi have the details on volleyball's exciting weekend coming up. Yeah, volleyball is back home this weekend. They host Buffalo on Friday and Saturday. Um, super exciting. They're coming. They've been on the road for kind of a while now, the past two weekends. So it'll be good to have them back. They won both games this past weekend in Michigan. They played Central and Eastern Michigan and won both of those um, matches. So that was super exciting. And then now they got Buffalo coming in, which is exciting. Yeah, they had that little round trip in Michigan, Mount Pleasant and Ypsilanti back to back and now they're they're back home against Buffalo like you mentioned and they're kind of rolling to start Mac play off to a 4 and 2 start. Their two losses was that weekend sweep against Bowling Green, which Bowling Green's obviously one of the tougher teams to play. So, this team is off to kind of a hot start and they'll look to continue it on kind of a fun weekend, Maria. They got a couple fun games, Dig Pink Night and Taylor Swift Night, like Come on, you can't. You gotta get excited for those games, right? Yeah, that that's super fun. I didn't even know they were doing that, so it's really interesting to 
to see that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that really got this team's season kind of off on the right foot was that really hard-fought game against Missouri, uh, SEC opponent that's obviously very formidable. They played them to a 2-3 to three loss, which obviously was still a loss, but I think they were very um, proud of how they fought in that game, and it kind of showed that a lot about themselves in that Bulldog Invitational. So, And then they got into MAC play, Battle of the Bricks swept, and now I mean they're off and running 4-2 and two in the MAC. So I'm excited to see how this team kind of shapes up, especially with that momentum going into this weekend. And Buffalo's um, a team that they can definitely capitalize on, and we'll see what they can do against a good Kent State team later. So, yeah, they're also um, four and one in the combo this this year too. So having those two games at home, hopefully, will bring them some more luck. OU Sports has been defending the home turf for sure because I know football they're undefeated at home right now. Knock on wood, three and zero. So um, the teams, uh, fall sports, are doing a good job of defending defending Athens pretty well. If you've been anywhere in Athens lately, there's a good chance you've come across a bird e-scooter or e-bike. The bikes are relatively affordable, a dollar to start and 42 cents per minute, and they're an emission-friendly alternative to other forms of transportation. But they can create quite a challenge for people who utilize mobility aids to get around town. So then someone like me who uses a wheelchair, someone who uses a mobility device, like a, uh, you know, like a, a wheelchair type of scooter, um, you know, someone who uses a walker, all of a sudden they can't get uh, on the sidewalk. They can't get through. Um, and it's, it, it can be extremely inconvenient. That's Davey McNelly, the chairperson of the Athens City Disabilities Commission. McNelly says the commission likely meets with the city again to discuss more designated parking places for the bird vehicles and raise awareness for why proper parking is so important. If, if you know, the users of the e-scooters uh, aren't conscientious about where they put them. So I often find myself uh, just completely stuck where I can't get through a sidewalk. Um, it might be because someone's like chained up their bike in a way where it's sticking out into the sidewalk. It might be someone's left their scooter just parked right in the middle of the sidewalk. Uh, it could be that they've left a, you know, a bike that they've rented just like in the middle of, in the middle of the sidewalk. So it, it's extremely inconvenient. There are designated parking places around OU's campus that the app requires riders to park scooters in. There are areas where the scooters can't go, like the first block of Court Street in College Green. Around other parts of town, however, it can be a bit of a free-for-all. There are some challenges, but e-scooters and e-bikes do have the potential to expand bikeability in the city. Uh, but, you know, for me, I'm, in particular, the e-bike, which has a range of 50 miles on a charge, you know, I see some real utility of those when you look at the bikeability here in Athens. Mayor Steve Patterson says there are accessibility concerns about parking with all types of bikes and scooters that the city is conscious of. But in the meantime, with bird products. You know, I've not heard negative or positive for the scooters at this point in time. And um, that's a that's a good sign. You know, no news is good news in my opinion. So. To learn more about the scooters, visit www.bird.co. Lead forecaster Aaron Ashley is here to talk about the strange heat from the past couple of days. So 
with all this really warm, all these really warm temperatures, it's kind of hard to really gauge exactly where it's coming from. I know it's weirdly warm for this time of year, especially this weekend. It was a lot chillier. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the summer-like weather. I know it's like October. Where are the cool temperatures? Where, where are my sweaters? It's kind of been annoying for me, honestly. But enough about me. It's in the mid-70s because we've had uh, some patterns of upper-level ridging, which gave us some very nice, beautiful weather, high-pressure, um, beautiful, beautiful weather. Because with that high pressure and the upper-level ridging, it, what happens is that it favors very clear and dry conditions. And so what happens is that while the sky is all clear, there's no clouds, the sun can just come straight to earth all that radiation warms us up nice and good it feels really nice for a couple days but then what happens is as soon as the clouds cover us back up um, as the high pressure kind of moves on all of that heat from the earth's surface will emit back into the sky and hit those clouds so it's kind of like a sandwich of all that warmth and so it's kind of just sitting here kind of festering a little bit so that's why it feels really warm for the middle of October but thankfully we are starting to see um, low pressure systems come in cooling us off with um, different initiators like cold fronts gonna bring in those cooler temperatures and even a chance for rain or two. So that's why we've all been a little too sweaty wearing our fall clothing this time around right? No absolutely and I trust me like I said earlier I love getting festive, especially this time of year. It's my favorite time of year. And yeah, no, I'm not a huge fan of this, these summer-like conditions. I'm a very fall festive person. Um, and I know Wednesday night, we actually had a stronger storm, storm system move in from the west. And so all that warm, moist air that we saw over the past couple of days from the beginning of this week up to Wednesday night, it's bringing warm, moist air from the Gulf in combination with all of that heat that the sun brings. It's just a recipe for stronger storms to really hit. And so that's kind of why we're seeing these kind of more severe storms for this time of year. Yeah, we did have a couple of intense storms come through, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Some of them actually brought some hail to our region. The main thing being heavy winds. Nothing too dramatic, though. You definitely have the the risk of um, low-lying floods, especially around the river and other air, low-lying areas as well. But again, the main thing with the system was definitely heavy winds and heavy rain, the chance of hail or two, and you can't, and you obviously should never rule out the chance for an isolated tornado, especially with such warm, moist conditions that we've just had today and the days prior. Yeah, and so what about you know looking into the future just a little bit? What's up with this weekend? So this weekend, we're actually going to dry up, thankfully. Um, <laughs> I know it's been really warm recently. And so with the passage of this cold front and all those storms, all that rain is going to actually cool us off over the next couple of days and into the weekend. So much, in fact, that we're actually seeing a spotty chance for frost early on Friday morning. Um, and that's because temperatures are just getting so low overnight. We're seeing temperatures overnight temperatures, excuse me, in the mid to low 30s. And so as we really get close to that freezing point overnight, you can really start to see a chance for frost appear. 
Um, we are tracking a slight chance for some rain on Saturday night um, with the passage of a weaker cold front, but overall it's nothing, again, not going to stir up too much chaos. Definitely something you want to be prepared for, especially since it is an overnight shower or two. If you're heading out early on Sunday, you might want to plan ahead, grab your umbrella maybe. Um, but again, nothing too, too dramatic. And by the time the beginning of next week hits, we're seeing partly sunny skies and those nice fall temperatures that we love to see in the lower 50s. Pretty dramatic shift from this week. Dr. Tom Suttis has covered Ohio politics for more than two decades. The Ohio University professor and columnist for the Cleveland Plain Dealer joins WUB reporter Silver Barker to dissect this week's debate between Ohio U.S. Senate candidates Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance. What are some things that struck you the most in it? What struck me the most was the fact that they were both so comfortable with each other. They had not really been in the debate before, and I don't think they had any joint, any joint appearances before. It seemed to me they both were at ease in terms of the format and in terms of dealing with each other, even though obviously it's a very close contest right now. So that struck me right away, for one thing. And secondly, I think I have to say they both were very eloquent in their answers. I didn't think they wouldn't be, but you never know when it's a new experience for them both. Right. Mm -hmm. With that being said, how do you think the candidates did differentiating themselves from one another? I think they were very successful in differentiating themselves from each other. What I think is interesting, and I think others have said this, that's not why I'm saying it, though, because I think they have actually, um, it was a draw as far as saying who won or who lost, because I think they both were pretty effective in getting their message across. I think it's fairly clear, though, that their backgrounds are really different, and they emphasize that in part, and also the fact that they have distinctively different points of view about some foreign policy issues, which are crucial to the Senate anyway. So I think that was part of it as well. Um, I think uh, this was one of the first times because of the advertising flood that Mr. Ryan had over the summer, Mr. Vance had a chance to kind of define himself in terms of what he was doing and saying in his campaign. I think that was very successful as well. And now with all of what you said, what would you say for the debate is the key takeaway for voters uh, on both sides? I think the key takeaway without indicating any pre preference for one candidate or the other is they're both very, very qualified people to serve. It's a question largely whether you think the qualifications are better in terms of long experience like Mr. Ryan or a new point of view like Mr. Vance in terms of coming to the federal Senate. I think that's one of the biggest distinctions right there. Uh, they both have compelling backgrounds. Uh, I'm from the part of Ohio Mr. Ryan's from coincidentally. And so I'm familiar with part of that background. And Mr. Vance's book, of course, we all know is very, very powerful and self-reading about his early childhood and his youth in Middletown. So I think it helped establish them both as in their own way. Got behind, got, it got ahead of the advertising a little bit and got more to the individual characters of their personalities. I thought it was telling, and this is probably just a minor inconsequential side effect that they, at the end of the debate, if you like the very last few minutes, a few moments of the, of the uh, recording, or not the recording, the, the broadcast, you saw that they shook hands with each other, and I didn't know at some points that it was a pretty heated conversation, I thought, I wasn't sure how that was going to go. But it seemed to be that they were behaving in a professional manner, which is reassuring to voters. We don't want any hotheads, any more hotheads in Congress than we have now, anyway. It seems to me, anyway. Yeah, is there any other topic that struck you um, between the two? It did in terms of, I thought, I thought that they were, because of the format of the debate, they really couldn't explore this too deeply, but I think there's some foreign policy issues that they touched on were very compelling because they all involve matters of war and peace, such as Ukraine, such as Formosa or Taiwan, rather, 
and I think that those topics didn't get enough exploration because of the nature of the format, but I think they were very interesting to hear what they had to say about those possibilities. And I wish, just as a listener and as a voter, they said a little bit more about the possibilities of escalation in Ukraine through the Putin administration's possible use of uh, weapons of mass destruction, and also the possibility of Chinese uh, interference with Taiwan's government, because I think those are going to be flashpoints in the next 18 months to 24 months in our country's foreign policy. It's just an opinion. I can't tell you I have any inside information about it. And Silver, how is this race between Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance shaping up as early voting begins? So on Monday night, two candidates uh, running for Ohio House Senate, um, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan, had a debate at 7 p.m. and they were talking a little bit about um, some of the issues that are that they would want to take care of or some of the issues that many people have as concerns for what it would look like if they were chosen and how they would deal with it and um, yeah I would say it was a pretty heated debate Um, they both have very interesting viewpoints which Dr. Suttis touched on as well so it really is something worth to watch because you get to know each person's character. Um, You did see each character come out of both of them. Um, You got to see a little bit of what they're really like and them even going on after the questions were asked and their limit was cut off, they still continued going. So you can tell they're they're very, they're they're well-spoken and they have a lot that they want to say. At the end of this debate, what Dr. Suttis was talking about is that the two came together, even though it got super heated and even though name calling happened a little bit, they came together at the end and were able to shake hands and were able to leave on, of course, not a perfect note, but on a good note as in terms of keeping it at least to the to that professional professional level. And that's what he thought was really interesting. That's what Dr. Suttis thought was really interesting about the debate is that even though it got super heated and they hit on each other's backgrounds pretty hard, um, In more election news, WUB's David Forster reports the Ohio Supreme Court ordered that Democratic candidate Tanya Conrath be added to the ballot as a challenger to Republican State Representative Jay Edwards. The court's decision Tuesday came the day before absentee voting and early in-person voting began for the November 8th general election. She won her case by a slim majority. Four of the court's seven members joined the majority opinion and three dissented. The majority and dissenting justices took some pointed swipes at each other, including accusations of judicial activism and lack of professionalism. Conrath replaces Ryan Goodman, who is the Democrats' initial candidate for the 94th District, which includes Athens, Meigs, and Morgan counties, and a portion of Washington County. Goodman dropped out of the race six days after the August 2nd primary. The Democratic Party named Conrath to replace him on August 15th, the last day to name a replacement candidate under state law. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett, with help from Johnny Lee. We're edited by Atish Badia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Retsch is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at newswatch underscore woub and Instagram at the same handle. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.